Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome back to our core classes. We are going to continue talking about the church. We're now talking about the church local. Uh, we've got, this is the fourth of six on the church that we're going to work through. And this is session four. So if you're in your big book at the top, it should say the local church, worship, belong, and serve. From our membership statement of faith, um, under the church, number four, it says, God's people are to gather and worship together under the reading, teaching, preaching, and singing of God's Word, and to respond with giving, prayer, and participation in the ordinances, and mutual encouragement. So within the church, we're called to receive teaching and reading, and then we're responding with, we're singing God's Word, and we're giving, and we're praying, and we're participating in the ordinances, which is baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we're giving mutual encouragement, which is a beautiful picture of God's church. So here in session four, we're going to basically introduce the topic of three major areas, worshiping, belonging, and serving. And then this time we're going to talk about worshiping, and we're going to introduce the other subjects as we move forward. So under worship, it says this, We gather together under the preaching and singing of God's word and respond with giving, prayer, and participating in the ordinances. Uh, belong and serve, we'll come back to those when we get there. Uh, worship. It says the same thing again, and let's explore some of those words. First, let's start with the idea of sitting under the preaching of God's Word. What are the expectations for receiving God's Word, for the preaching and teaching of God's Word? The church centers itself around the Word and gathers to hear the preaching of that Word. We are centered around Scripture at all times. Uh, our particular church is called Bible Center Church, which I love that name because we are to be centered around the Bible. Jesus calls us to do all that he commanded. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, verse 20 says that we are to teach people to do all that he commanded. So everything in scripture, we're called to know it and then to even live it out and do it, which is no easy task. So we never get to the point where we outgrow the Bible, where we know it all, or we're perfectly living it out. So the Bible continues to grow us, change us, convict us uh, every single day, every single week. To properly understand and apply the Bible, we must know the large overarching themes as well as the details. We need to understand like what the Bible's major themes are. And also it's helpful to know the details within Scripture. We need to know both. If details are removed from the major themes, we can have some weird interpretations. So we need to have both together. Therefore, to understand the Bible as a whole, at times we need to preach topics that are more like theme topics that run through the Bible. So sometimes the best thing to do is just to pick a book of the Bible and go through it verse by verse. But other times we need to keep pointing back up to the major themes of Scripture. So to faithfully preach God's Word in a way that the people of God truly understand it and can apply it to their lives correctly, there needs to be this, this bouncing back and forth between talking about the major things of Scripture that include lots of books of the Bible, like major doctrines like what we're doing right now, but then jumping into the details of Scripture, we go through particular verses and books and go in-depth into the lives of people in the Scriptures. So we need to have this balance of going big and going small. That's how we do our best to properly know, interpret, and apply God's Word. It's also important to work through some of the details in a particular book over time. These are oftentimes called exegetical sermons um, so we go, or expository sermons. 
If a church ever drifts away from Scripture, it must course correct and recenter itself around the Word. So if you are listening to someone on the radio or watching television and they mention a verse, but then they start talking, and as they talk, what they're saying has really nothing to do with the verse, unfortunately, that's kind of a popular way of doing it nowadays. It's almost like a, they use the Bible as a starting point, as a launch pad, but they never go back to really teach the Bible. You really want to make sure as you're listening to people preaching and teaching the Word, that they're really sticking to and staying with God's actual Word. If you're not actually getting to know His Word better as you're sitting under that teaching or preaching, I would maybe consider a new person to sit under. The church also, throughout the week, we're told that it scatters. So we gather together under the preaching of the Word. We also meet together in homes and in friendship circles and in restaurants. Uh, We continue to be the church living out in the world together, in homes, in neighborhoods, schools, places of work. And we also continue to discuss the Word of God together. So this concept of mutual encouragement that we're called to give, it comes from knowing each other, talking about God's Word together, having to be a part of our everyday relationships and conversations as we're the church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and every single day of the week. B, singing the Word. Uh, Most churches that you've been a part of, most churches I've been a part of, there's a singing portion where we worship. Now, sometimes we say the word worship, we think it just means singing. But really, Scripture points to worship being bigger than that category. It's anything we do to bring glory to God is an act of worship. I can go out and look at the trees and be in awe of God, and it's an act of worship. I can sit under the preaching of God's Word and agree with God's Word, and it's an act of worship. And when I sing, it also is an act of worship. It's one of many ways to worship God. When I give financially, it's an act of worship to God. The Psalms in the Word of God function as the worship hymnal and the prayer guide for the Old Testament people of God. So we learn a lot just from the Psalms. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it says, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, this may sound odd, but when you are on Sunday morning singing hymns and singing the Word of God back to God, you're also singing in such a way that people around you are hearing the Word of God. So, it's an act of worship directed to God, but it's also an act of mutual edification and growth as those same words are being taught and told to one another. So, as I sing those words, I'm hearing them, I'm responding to God, And I'm also, through what I'm vocalizing, referring to the Word of God to the people around me. So it also encourages the church and grows the church when we sing the Word of God. So something to be careful with. If the songs that you're singing go in a direction where the Word of God isn't being honored, it's not being taught, the truths in the song are not the same truths that we find in Scripture, we're not really worshiping anymore. We're actually, we're drifting from the centrality of God's Word. So our Our songs and the words in our songs should match the songs and the words of Scripture. So those two things should go together. We need to make sure we are a word-led people in our preaching and teaching and in our singing. Now, nothing in here, and of course there's going to be a lot of debates on this, but I'm not going to debate it. I'm just going to say it. Nothing talks about the type of music being played in order to sing these songs. Uh, My preference, personally, is I... I grew up liking much heavier music. I like Christian bands who sing very heavy music. That type of music will never be here on a Sunday morning. 
So I never ever get my personal preference when the type of music that comes on on Sunday morning. So my goal is to focus on the words and to learn as I sing. I want God's Word to impact me regardless of what type of music it is, whether it's a, a piano, a guitar, a set of drums. It's probably not going to be my personal preference, but that's not my goal. My goal is to receive God's Word, to worship God because of His Word, and to provide mutual edification for those around me. That's all that matters. If you're not getting your preference, welcome to the rest of the world. I mean, most of us don't get our preference. Um, so the type of music isn't the issue. The question is the words in the music. So for me, even though I'm oftentimes singing songs I don't particularly enjoy the music to, what I'm concerned about are I'm singing word, am I singing words that are growing me in my love for Jesus? Giving. Uh, this is a topic that sometimes we just jump over because it just feels awkward or hard to talk about. But even for me, I'm always having to think through, am I giving appropriately? Am I giving enough? Am I giving in a way that's thankful, faithful, generous, and joyful? And sometimes yes, and sometimes no. It's something that everyone struggles with and has to think through. In the Old Testament, tithing was a part of their law and expectation. So as an Old Testament believer, uh, it wasn't really a question of whether or not you were going to give on Sunday. You just automatically had to give. It was a requirement, and a tithe was considered 10%. So no matter how much you made, 10%, and usually the requirement was your first 10%, was given back to the house of the Lord um, in the form of special gifts. Now, in addition to that 10%, there were many other gifts that were required of the Israelites back in the Old Testament. Uh, grain offerings and yearly offerings. And by the time you got to the end of adding it all up, the average Israelite would give 24% of what they made back to the house of God. 24%. So in our day and age, sometimes we talk about a tithe being 10%, and we think that that's an Old Testament way of doing it, and that we should consider doing it the way the Old Testament did it. Honestly, 24% is the number from the Old Testament when you add in all the different offerings that were expected from them throughout the year. So just if you're trying to use the Old Testament, then do it correctly. The number is 24%. And yeah, that's a lot. I don't give 24%, but if you're trying to reference the Old Testament, do it correctly. It's 24%, a tithe plus additional gifts. In Numbers 18 verse 21, it says this, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for their work while they do the serving at the tent of meeting. So the tithe basically provides to pay for those who are called to serve and lead the church. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the first fruits of all your crops. So this is very different than giving your tithes as an afterthought, or saying, if I have leftovers, I will give back to God. The tithe here is this idea of you give your first fruits over to God. I'm going to jump over the next two verses. Let's go down to Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. This is an interesting verse. It says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How are you robbing me? Or how, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be room enough to store it. This verse reminds us that everything we have is the Lord's. And God is actually saying here, you're robbing me because you're not giving back to the priests the full tithe that you're required to give. God uses it as His. And not to, to not fully give it to Him, in the Old Testament here in Malachi, He called that robbing Him. 
I don't want to be on the other side of God and find out that I'm robbing him in any way. And he goes on to say that those who give fully, you know, God will match your generosity. We never outgive God. That just doesn't happen. Now, that's not necessarily a New Testament promising that if you give God 300 bucks, he's going to hand you 500 bucks in the mail. There's no promise of that. But his incredible generosity is greater than yours or mine will ever be. Giving is partly an act of faith that when I give, I trust that God's also going to take care of me. In the New Testament, a specific tithe is not mentioned. Jesus seems to focus on the heart of the giver more than the percentage given by the giver. So does that mean that we reduce 10% or we go above 10%? Well, Matthew chapter 6, this is a good reminder. It says, Jesus speaking, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may be honored by them. Truly I say to you, they have already received their full reward. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this whole section is this idea that one of the reasons why we give is never to be seen. We don't need people to know that that's that we're giving. So that if the trumpet sounds, this person gave a lot of money, the idea here is that you've already received your reward. You got the accolades from men, where what we should be wanting and longing for are the accolades from God. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, Jesus is watching a woman in the temple, and this is what happens. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. He doesn't say that that is bad, but here's something new that happens. A poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor woman put in more than all the contributions to the treasury. For they put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, she put in all that she owned, all that she had to live on. So the question there is, what does Jesus' expectation look like for you and me? He honors this woman who doesn't give out of her surplus, but gives out of the basics of what she had. How often do you and I give to the point where it hurts a little bit? I have to ask myself that question. It's a challenge and it's hard. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service to the saints. There was a group of believers that gave Paul money to help out the Corinthian church. It says here they went above and beyond. They didn't even have anything to give. They themselves were impoverished, but they gave as much as they could to help other believers in this moment. So does this sound like a commitment to 10% or just to give what's left over? In my opinion, the commitment and the call here is even greater than the Old Testament, um, an area that I still could continue to grow in. But the call here is to give as much as possible and perhaps that's above and beyond 10% for many of us. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says, On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something 
from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. Now, this is a specific offering that he's asking for. So this isn't necessarily to everyone, but this is just an example of how to potentially give. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. The idea here is that just every week you set aside something towards this particular gift that he was talking about. And how much do you give? Well, it's based upon how much you earned. In the New Testament, you saw people giving to one another wherever there was need, wherever there was lack. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. If there is need all around you with brothers and sisters in Christ and you have no need, yeah, the call here is to potentially give more than what you're giving now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? If you and I looked at one another's checkbooks, where is our treasure? Is it to give and to help others? Is it his church? Is it his people who are hurting? Is it the needy? Or is it ourselves? And it's hard, but something we need to push ourselves in. So the question is, what is your next step? What's my next step? Is it more consistent giving? Is it more frequent giving? Is it giving a larger amount? Or perhaps is it giving with a different heart? Do you give out of obligation? Or do you give out of joy and thankfulness and generosity as it's described here in these verses? This is a section that challenges all of us. So what we talked about here in this session was sitting under the preaching and teaching of God's Word, making sure that it's central. And when we sing, we sing God's Word. That's Both are acts of worship. Another act of worship is what we just saw here in giving. Giving in a way that pushes us a little bit, where we realize that Jesus is on the King, He's in charge, and I can give joyfully. I can give thankfully. I can give generously, knowing He is ultimately in control. And when I give, it goes to people, but it's ultimately going to Him as an act of worship. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about prayer. I look forward to seeing you then.